listening to the Fish on Ted podcast with your host, Ted Johnson. Well, hi, this is Ted Johnson. And before we start today's podcast, I'd like to give a quick shout out to a couple of our supporters. George Shower, who is the Pocono Outdoors guy, has been a friend and advocate of the Fish on Ted podcast and our sister company, Marketing for Guides, for a couple of years now. George broadcasts his own podcast live every Sunday evening at 6 p.m. Eastern Time, 3 p.m. Pacific on Facebook Live. He then posts his episode on his YouTube channel, of course, called The Pocono Outdoors Guy. Along with being a podcast host, George is also a well-known outdoor writer and outdoor videographer. To find out more about George's services, go to his website at www.poconooutdoorsguy.com. I'd also like to recognize Short Bus Flashers, who is based in Oregon. JT Gillette started Short Bus Flashers just over 10 years ago, and it has become the premier manufacturer of salmon fishing flashers on the West Coast. If you like catching salmon, you need to visit www.shortbusflashers.com and take a look at all the flashers and the hundreds of shapes and color combinations that are available. Well, hello, this is Ted Johnson with the Fish on Ted podcast. I want to thank everybody for listening in today. It is, by my record, the 7th of December, 2020. It's the holiday season. want to wish everybody a happy holidays and Merry Christmas. And thank God we're getting to the end of 2020. And with any luck at all, this vaccine's going to come in and it's going to take care of that darn COVID thing that's going on um, that uh, is sort of keeping us all from living the the life that we want to. But, you know, what's really interesting, I keep uh, saying this in recent interviews, that fishing has really picked up. It is amazing how many people are fishing right now and the increase in licenses and people looking at hiring guides and planning for um, uh, trips to lodges and that sort of thing. It is um, kind of unfounded. But I think just people are wanting to get out and go out and do something. You know, so many things have been taken away from them, like, uh, you know, the the sports venues and not being able to um, get in big crowds and that sort of thing. And fishing, what a great way to social distance yourself and have a lot of fun doing it. And so uh, we've got a lot more people that are engaged in the sport right now. And I uh, am anticipating that's just going to continue for months and years ahead. Um, today, we've got a great guest. I've been looking forward to uh, having him on for quite some time. We finally found the opportunity to talk. He is from my backyard in the great state of Oregon in the Willamette Valley, but has been fishing there for years upon years upon years. I think you'll get a lot from our conversation today. And so without uh, further ado, uh, Kirk Curry, you there? I am, Ted. Hey, how are you, man? I'm doing good. Thanks. How are you? Uh, doing well. Better, about as good as I can get right now, you know, with everything that's going on. But, um, well, hey, uh, you know, after the holidays, uh, things sort of start ramping up for you, don't they? They definitely do. I'm looking forward to it. Absolutely. I would imagine you're having a little bit of a downtime right now with the holiday season, but that's just the way the Willamette Valley works. 
and the fisheries in your part of Oregon. And so um, you're probably taking some big, deep breaths, getting ready for the next runs. You bet. Yep. Uh, putting up the salmon gear and winterizing the uh, the big boat and the, the RV and tying steelhead leaders and looking forward to it. There you go. Well, hey, Kurt, tell us a little about yourself. How in the world did you get involved in the fishing business? And, and when, I guess, you know, uh, when did you feel that thing in your heart going, you know, fishing is probably what I want to do the rest of my life. When, when did all that start? When I was born, my dad, uh, had, he, he was building the drift boat and finished that drift drift boat right uh, right before I was born. So I I grew up either in a drift boat in the garage or and eventually um, in that drift boat on on the rivers. And as I grew up, um, he bought bought other boats, and uh, we went from um, doing a lot of uh, trout fishing to a lot of salmon steelhead steelhead fishing. Uh, I caught my first limit of steelhead when I was six years old. Holy mackerel. Yeah, in my dad's drift boat on the Clackamas River. Yeah. And I remember it was so cold. It was so cold that um, when I when I had to go to the bathroom, my, my hands wouldn't work. And uh, my dad had to unzip <laughs> the zipper on my jeans and zip them yeah. back up. Cause I couldn't. <laughs> my, it was, it, that's one of the memories that I have, I think. Of, of that day, but I spent a lot of cold, uh, cold, wet days in drift boats. Yeah, um, running, pl- running, running the plug rods while he was on the sticks. So uh, that's where I started. I, I grew up in Albany, and um, uh, through my eighth grade year in in the Willamette Valley, uh, moved over to Baker, over in Eastern Oregon, uh, for yeah. my freshman through my junior year in high school, and um, we fished over there. We we uh, joined a bass club and uh, got into some pan fishing and fished the snake for steelhead. And then my senior year in high school, we, we moved to Glendale between Grants Pass and Roseburg. And I was introduced mm-hmm. to the Southern Oregon Rivers and the, the Rogue and the Coquille and and the Umpqua. And, and after I graduated from high school, my dad said... Uh, I can buy you a truck and a drift boat, or I can help you go to college. So I decided to go to college. Okay. And I've got a business, got a business degree from Western Oregon here in Monmouth. Uh-huh. Went to Portland, worked in uh, finance, uh, got into the mortgage industry, was a mortgage broker for 14 years. And mm-hmm. while I was in the, while I was in the mortgage industry, 2004 was just a, a great year on the Willamette and the tributaries. Um, and I started fishing the McKinsey a bunch and we were doing really well. And people started asking me to take them fishing. Well, I thought if I had a guide license and they asked to go fishing and I told them that they had to pay, then they wouldn't want to go. And then I could just keep fishing fishing with my buddies and it would be an easy way to say no. Well, they started saying they started saying yes. Oh, and, really? Uh, really? So I so I started guiding on the weekends, and uh, um, in 2010, I stepped away from the mortgage industry and I began guiding full time. Wow! And in 2000, 
you said in 2010 is that when that came about 2010 correct wow you know for the listeners that um, are not familiar with oregon and you talking about growing up in albany and then fishing the clackamas and then moving to baker and and then back down the glendale if you take the state of oregon and you just with a, a pencil make a five point star in oregon that's about the path you took i mean you sounds like you fish all over oregon that's pretty cool it is it, it's been a it it's been a blessing that it's 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 nice to know people at all those different regions but also know um i i can honestly say i've, I've been on every probably every river every every river that has steelhead in it um most most rivers that have, that have salmon um and and so it's it's nice that if my main river is blown out uh, and I need to get some days in, I can travel. Um, I have extensive knowledge of the Umpqua, of the Coquille. Um, I can go to the Nestucca if necessary. I can go to the Kilchis and the, the Trask. And um, wherever it's happening, I have, I've been fortunate enough to have experience there. And so right. it's, it's, it, it makes, makes my job easier as opposed to um, if my river's not fishable, then we're not fishing. So I know that I, I was fortunate enough when I was young um, in high school, my dad took me on unguided fishing trips and I knew, I know how excited we got and we were able to, to go on a guided trip and for a guide to say, Hey, we're not going to go. Um, that's, that's not what people want to hear. They want to fish. They look forward to it. And it's, it's nice for me to be able to say, Hey, I got, I got an option for you. If you want to, you know, drive an extra hour and a half, maybe get a motel room, we can make this happen. And mm -hmm. I'd say 90, 98, 99% of the time they're, they're up for it. And, uh, they look forward to the adventure. Absolutely. So if you were born when your dad was building a drift boat, I, I would imagine that was a wooden drift boat. Is that right? Yep, it was a Rapid Robert. Um, rapid flat Robert. Yeah. Yep, flat ends on the front and the back, and they called it a Rapid Robert and uh, painted it with green house paint and uh, spent a lot of time in that. And it, and, it, and it was fishy, wasn't it? It was. It was a very fishy boat. Yeah, no kidding. I'll be darned. So did, did you guys end up building another one after that? No, he actually he actually bought a uh, Lavro Lazy Drifter uh -huh. um, yeah. from, from Don Green down in Suver, just between Corvallis and and Monmouth. It was a fourteen footer, and we ran we ran that into the ground. And I actually ended up buying that from him. He bought an, a seventeen foot Lavro after that, mm -hmm. um, and then we just started kind of trading boats and and. Uh, I've, I've had a, I've had an, I've had an opportunity to, to run a lot of boats and and uh, it's something I really enjoy. Yeah. So what what are you rowing now? I I fish um, I fish Koffler boats now. Uh, Koffler okay. is um, Bruce Bruce and Joe Koffler, a father son team out of out of Eugene, out by the airport in Eugene. They've mm -hmm. been building. Bruce has been building boats as long as I've been alive. Yeah. And. And I, I, I think that I personally think their boats are the best boats on the market. Um, 
they undoubtedly give the best service uh, is it, uh, any anybody in the uh, the boat building industry, and uh, mm-hmm. I just I just know that I can count on their boats, and I can count on them. That's they and they build you exactly what you want. So yep. I, my boat's built for client comfort. It's not built for um, it, it's not a it's not a real light boat. It could be a really yeah. light boat if I wanted it to be, but I have flat floors in the front and the back. I've got armrests on my seats. I have a pizza oven in it. I've got you know a heater. I want my I want my clients to be extremely comfortable for the for the seven or eight hours that they spend with me, and look forward to coming back. And that's what I ask uh, the cobblers to do, and they've done a great job. Right now, now we've got quite a following, like. Uh, for this podcast down in Texas and Florida and that kind of stuff. And you just said something that doesn't fit with boats. You have a pizza oven in the boat. You got to have a pizza oven in your drift boat. <laughs> How does that work? <laughs> so drift boats have decks in them. Um, the pe- people will sit on a bench or on boxes. Um, and we have, we have comfortable seats that we put on those benches or boxes with yeah. armrests. Well, we put a at, at their feet or just beyond their feet. We put a propane heater down there for them so they can stay warm during the day. Well, above oh, that yeah. heater, we put a little. Uh, we have the aluminum boat builders build in a an extra shelf and they enclose it so um, you can just about get a small pizza pan into that. And uh, we we cook breakfast burritos. I've cooked. Um, Toll House cookies and uh, frozen lasagnas and and uh, anything you can imagine. So I've got guys that'll bring all kinds of different things and they they heat up their heat up their lunch and have a hot lunch on the boat. <laughs> That's so cool. I can't imagine being in a drift boat at ten o'clock in the morning and smelling the uh, the, the the cooking of, of a pizza sauce with garlic and pepperoni. Holy smoke! You get hungry real quick, wouldn't you? Oh, yeah, it's great. I bring uh, butter horns. Try to try to bring something in the, every morning, either breakfast burritos or butter horns for my guys, and wrap them up in tin foil. And I'll, I'll put them up there before they get in the boat, and we fire up that heater. And then all of a sudden, they start smelling what's in there, and they start saying, "Well, what's what is that?" If they have never uh, been in the boat before, if they, and and we break that out, put some butter on them, and and uh, they're they're in heaven. Absolutely, they are. Yeah, this. The smell of cinnamon and that sort of thing. Holy smokes, oh, yeah. you know, better than the bologna sandwich, that's for sure. Well, that's cool. That's so right. now, do you also run a, a, a coffler sled then also? I do. I run an 18-foot-long, 60-inch-wide uh, drift boat from Coffler, and yeah. I run a 24-foot, a um, six-person sled boat as well. So I can take, I can, I can accommodate three guests on my drift boat and mm-hmm. up to six guests on my sled boat. Very good. And you use the sled in uh, more of the, the, the coastal waters and that sort of thing? Correct. Yeah. In the deeper water um, where where the depths don't and the, and the currents don't run uh, or change, uh, we, we run those bigger, bigger boats with the bigger motors on the back um, mm-hmm. in the estuaries and the and up on the Columbia and uh, when I'm over in Green Pier fishing for, for kokanee and I, I take guys out in the ocean and we do bottom fishing, uh, lane cod fishing, 
Pitlico mm-hmm. and Chinook in the during the month of uh, July out in the ocean. So any any big bodies of water, I take the big sled and then um, up the rivers where there are you know white water and rapids, we take the driftwood. There you go. You have a favorite river? I always say my favorite river is the next one. Oh, I like that. Because <laughs> it's, um, you know, right now I'm, like, I'm really excited to get on the sluts. Um, the sluts is probably my favorite. It is my favorite steelhead river just because it's so pretty. Um, it's long. Uh, it's diverse, meaning that it, up high it's it's different than it is down low. Um, waterfalls just continuously it seems like throughout the throughout the uh the drifts uh-huh. i i just have a I mean, the sweat is probably my favorite river but after you after you fish it from you know january 1st through you know april 15th you're ready for the next river and sure. so i'm looking you know and and uh and but i don't think i look forward to any any other river other more so than i than i do on the on the sweat Wow, that's not, that sounds like a, a, a cool river to be on. Now, um, again, for those people that are not familiar with Oregon, if you look right, kind of like the middle of Oregon towards the Pacific coast, uh, the sluts uh, flows right into the Pacific, doesn't it? It does. Yep, right yeah. there in Taft, just south of Lincoln City. And uh, we, we start at Moonshine Park is where we normally start our drifts uh, when the water's high enough, and that's river mile 52 i believe mm-hmm. and we we fish steelhead all the way down to um, a takeout called morgan park and um rarely do we make that gosh 25 mile drift in a day but we cover you know 16 17 miles in a day um at times when the conditions warrant that mm-hmm. now uh what what's the size of the steelhead are you pulling out of there well, the average steelhead I'd say is eight or nine pounds. Um, we'll catch them from six pounds to over twenty pounds. Um, I've caught I've caught several twenty-plus pound steelhead out of the out of the selects, and mm-hmm. a twenty-pound plus steelhead is a world world-class steelhead. Um, yeah, it's, it's a it's a beast. Um, they let you land them. You don't land twenty-pound steelhead. Uh, well unless said. they want you to, yeah. <laughs> unless they want you to uh so every day you have an opportunity to to catch a big one on the sluts um same with all the rivers that i fish uh, uh-huh. but it's um usually there's a week or two window that the big ones come in and you just kind of feel it you feel it happening you'll pick up you know a 17 you'll pick up a 15 and you know any minute you'll get a chance at that 20. Yeah. Now, are, is it mainly conventional uh, gear, fly gear? How how do you fish it? Yeah, I, I use mainly conventional gear. I've got some clients that enjoy uh, fly fishing for them. And mm-hmm. um, most of those guys bring their own gear and, and uh, they just kind of lean on me for my experience. And those guys are normally really, really good fly fishermen. I've got guys that that also want to try fly fishing um, that are more, con- you know, experienced in conventional gear. And I've obviously I have uh, steelhead fly rods and 
they're all rigged mm-hmm. up, ready to go. And sometimes I'll throw one in just so I, when I know it's going to be a really good day um, and, and encourage them to try something different. And But yeah, conventional gear, side drifting, um, something I learned to do when I was really young. Um, love, love to do it. It's, it's really an art. Um, this, it's a, it's a technique, but it's an art form really uh, in, in boat control and, and line control. Uh, side drifted yarn, uh, yarn balls, uh, steelhead row, and what's really come on lately is beads. Right. And so right. we've been side drifting a lot of beads and we do some bobber dogging too. I do a lot of bobber dogging actually. Um, bobber dogging's like, uh, it's like side drifting on training wheels. Um, <laughs> you, love you, you really, you're, you, the, but it, it's almost better because the presentations are so consistent mm-hmm. um, in, in, in smaller, tighter rivers, like the Coquille, we can bobber dog um, brush lines, say, for example, that we can't, uh-huh. that we can't um, make the same presentation side drifting. Side drifting, it's hard to keep your baits in a straight line for an extended period of time. Right. The boat's right. always wanted to push out. The, you know, you're 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 fighting in the current, and you're you're really pulling your bait towards the boat, mm-hmm. uh, which is great when when you have a ton of space. Um, right. But when it when it gets tight and you need to be, you know, those fish where where they're laying, and if they're laying tight, you can take a, a bobber and you can bobber dog uh, these these current seams or these these brush line. Um, brush line holes and you can just suck those bobbers into into where you can't um you can't side drift as effectively right right and, so, and, and, so the, and so the, the bobber dog in places, i mean you're still using beads and attractants and and that sort of thing below correct. the bobber yeah yep exact same exact same gear um just a, a different presentation mm-hmm mm-hmm well i'm just curious um why why have beads gotten so much press lately? Well, it, it, it was something that they started doing trout fishing wise up in in Alaska, and these these fish, as in my opinion, this is my my thought process, is these fish as, as juveniles, um, they grow up eating the eggs that are rolling out of these um, these salmon reds and steelhead reds. And right. so I think it's a, I think it's just a, a natural instinct for these fish um, to to feed on on these eggs. Uh, when they return into the ocean, they see what they, you know, what they saw when they were juveniles, what they what they eat when they were were in that river for either with hatchery fish shorter period of time, native fish, you know, up to a year, if right. not more. And I just think that it's. In, ingrained in them to um, to chase those eggs and and eat those eggs and uh, it's bead fishing is it's incredible it's it's like cocaine to to steelhead they just can't they can't leave it alone if it's if it's presented the right way right you know years ago I mean this is a long time ago because I'm old man um, we were up on Lake Creek uh, the uh, Lake Creek that comes out of Triangle Lake, you know, and we were down yep. by the little town of Indiola, 
where Indian Creek comes in there to uh, Lake Creek. And we had walked up kind of underneath the bridge there and we, uh, we saw a, a lot of like sea run cut, uh, cutthroat, you know, the half pounders in there. And we were trying to catch those and trying to catch those and nothing was biting and they were all schooled up in there. And I started, you know, I was, I'm, I couldn't have been more than 2021. 20, and I started riffling through my, my fishing vest, trying to figure out what, what would they hit on, you know? And, uh, so I, I reached in one pocket and I found a wine cork. Really? Okay. Well, let's see what we can do with this. And uh, then in the other pocket, I had some uh, egg hooks, some little bitty ones, you know, little gold ones. And I had a, a, a jar of Potsky's eggs. And so I tied the wine cork to the end of my, uh, or to the, uh, uh, about 16 inches up from the, uh, the egg hook, and then I put a single Potsky's egg, and I'll tell you what, I lit up that hole. It was the craziest thing. You put that right in the seam, and it wasn't the it wasn't the sea run cutthroat that was smashing that thing. It was the steelhead, and they would just smash that thing, and they would run up to the top of the 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 hole, and they would jump four or five times, break my line, and I you know that whole day I never got one in, but it, I'll bet I hooked ten of them. It was crazy. It was absolutely crazy. Yeah, you were you were ahead of the curve with <laughs> with that technique. I'm, I'm telling you, I wish I would have figured that out a long time ago. Yeah, well, you know, I I I'll never forget that, but I never really used that again. <laughs> you know, silly me. I I, I could have I been the, the yeah the B capital or the big king big a big king of the world by now. You know, but That's no right yeah Jens, Jensen eggs. Um, it's something that's been a long, you know, we're around for a long time and now it's mad river eggs, these little tiny rubber eggs that were, you know, soaked in anise or, or oh, yeah, uh, yeah. shrimp scent. And a lot of those guys, a lot of guys are, are dragging out old jars of, of, uh, Jensen eggs and they're just slamming uh -huh. this blood. Really? And it's incredible how it, it, what's, what's really interesting is we were using 12 millimeter beads and then then tens and then i got all the way down to eight millimeter beads and then the big bead uh the the 20s and the 23s uh came along and it you just have to like one of my guide buddies said you just have, you have to throw the rule book out the window literally it doesn't make any sense but but these fish even when the water's you know steelhead green or even on a, a little bit clearer day you can run a 20 millimeter bead um down down through these holes and these steelhead are just attacking it really no and, kidding and you yeah and, it, and it, a 23 million it's like a super ball and yeah, i was gonna say you beads. yeah yeah huge beads, huge beads and these fish are they can't leave it alone and it i drug my feet on the beads i was big into yarn um mm -hmm. I mean, it was, it's been a progression where you know the gate the guides used to have um, a huge advantage because they had the fresh row because they were right. they were catching those hens continuously. Then the yarn came, and the yarn allowed you to get on the river a day early because of the color, and and uh, guys were were out fishing the egg guys or keeping up with them with yarn. Now beads has has stepped up, or or, or has, they're front runner in front of the yarn now. Because now they have the UV um, 
colors that the yarn does as well. Right. Um, can, consistent size, um, the way they're neutrally weighted now. Uh, it's it's amazing that they're that these techniques are revolutionizing steelhead and it's giving people great opportunities that they may not have had in the past. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, recreational anglers, anglers for, for instance, that um, you know may not be the best at boat control or may not have the, the freshest eggs. Um, it's evening the playing field and, and letting them enjoy the resource as well, which I think is a good thing. Yeah. Oh, yeah. And, and for the the newer fishermen, you know, to be out, able to go out on a river and uh, hook into a steelhead or two on their first day out, you know, with, with beads. I mean, that just, you know, forgive the pun, that hooks them into the sport. Um, where in the past, you know, like you were saying, using uh, corkies and yarn and that sort of thing, you could go days, man. <laughs> been there you and, could. Uh, yeah, you... not and not hook up you know yeah it, it, I, I spent a whole spring break on the rogue river on on this one rock watching people catch fish around me and i couldn't make it happen you know drift fishing corkies and i've been uh-huh. there they, they, they're not called the fish of a thousand casts for nothing <laughs> so true so true but uh, yeah I've, I've heard from more more and more people you know, that bead fishing is just the way to go. Um, it's sort of almost unfair, is it not? Yeah, it it, it borderlines unfair. Um, you mm-hmm. know, same, we're seeing that same thing with the, the 360 flashers uh, and, the, and the spinners or the spin fish and the, the brads, um, plug cuts. It's uh-huh. really, the, the beads and those flashers, um, it's really leveling the playing field and you just it, it's it's so effective you can just wonder what's what's next yeah no kidding no kidding well that uh yeah that's amazing so so you'll fish steelhead through what april and then get into springers is that right yeah i'll fish um i'll, I'll fish steelhead into the middle of april and then i'll fish spring chinook uh, up on the Columbia, if the Columbia is still open, um, or I'll go over to St. Helens and fish the Multnomah Channel, and I'll move my way up into the Portland Harbor and then to Oregon City, mm-hmm. and I'll do that through the third week of May, and then, actually, excuse me, I'll do that through the third week of April. Yeah. Uh, which, so that, sometimes steelhead, I mean, the steelhead can run you know, well into April, or it can clear uh-huh. out. Depending. So, if if the steelhead season stays strong through April fifteenth, I'll stay on the steelhead. I'll I'll move into the the springers after that. It, it, it could peter out. You know, at at the end of March as well. Mm-hmm. So we'll pick up the spring schnook, and then I move up to Rufus out of the Dowels, east of the Dowels, and I'll start. Um, I'll start my walleye fishing the last week of April through the first two weeks of May. Ah, okay. And then, and then after that, I'll be on the McKenzie the third week of May through the end of June, fishing for spring chinook mm-hmm. salmon. Mm-hmm. Uh, then I'll start my ocean trips. I'll run some trout trips in there as well on the McKenzie, um, fly fishing and and conventional fishing. Um, do some kokanee trips over at Green Peter Reservoir. Mm-hmm. Uh, 
and then I'll I'll start thinking um, Winchester Bay, Sayuswa around the middle of August. Yeah, and then I'll, I'll fish Fall Chinook there on the Sayuswa through the middle of October. I'll move to the Silets at the in the middle of October, and I'll fish out of my drift boat for the Fall Chinook on the Silets until that that run um, kind of fades out, and that's kind of where we're at right now. Mm-hmm. And I'll take a little bit of time off during the holidays and um, get ready for steelhead season. Do it all over again. I'm just curious uh, on Green Peter. Is the is the kokanee limit uh, on Green Peter still 25? It is. Yep, 25 fish this oh. year. We had a great time. Um, I ran, gosh, close to 10 trips up there this year, and yeah. we were fortunate enough to get our limit each trip. Uh, it takes you sometimes longer to to clean kokanee than it does catch them up there. Been there, yeah. <laughs> no kidding. Yeah, you get you get four guys on a boat. You've got a hundred fish to clean at the end of that trip. Oh yeah, yeah. I, I was running six person trips. We were cleaning one hundred and fifty fish. Holy mackerel! How how big are they up at, at Green Peter? This year they were nine and a half to ten and a half inches. Not real big, uh-huh. um, but they're land, you know landlocked sockeye salmon, and they're incredible eating, incredible incredible to smoke. And they're, they're just a kick. Um, you get families up there with kids. And um, I had one guy this year, he, he asked me if we could stop running um, six rods because it was just <laughs> overwhelming to him. He, 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 couldn't, he couldn't ignore a bite um, while he was reeling in another, another rod. And he said, hey, can we only just run four rods so we can kind of keep up with this? I'm like, sure, just whatever you'd like to do. And that, that's the kind of action that you have up there. It's, it's, uh, it's, it's really fun. Oh, that's, that's, I can't imagine complaining to a guy, you know, Hey man, we're, we're catching way too many fish here. Can we just slow down? Exactly. <laughs> it was funny. probably the first time I've ever heard that, heard that request. And I, I, yeah. I, I like that. That was good. Absolutely. <laughs> But yeah, the, those kokanee are incredible eating. I mean, it, uh, uh, they're the size of a small trout, but uh, they taste just like a salmon, don't they? Yeah, they do. They just melt in your mouth, and there's nothing better. We, I, I smoke, I smoke the the kokanee that I catch, and a lot of a lot of my clients they'll smoke them for a little bit, and then they'll can them, and yeah. uh, they'll bring them they'll bring them on their steelhead and their salmon trips, and give me a jar and. It's it's just a real treat. Oh, it's like candy, man. I mean, that stuff is in incredible, but uh, in, in interesting, interesting. So, I, so what do you do for fun, man? I mean, if you're not fishing and you have a day off, what do you do? Well, today I went golfing. Oh, there you go. There you so go. I, I picked up. I think I'm not, I'm not a very good golfer, but my passion has always been, and my obsession has always been fishing. And, um, I, I'd think about it 24 seven and, and just couldn't wait to go. And, uh, now that, that I have done it professionally for a long period of time, I, I needed a hobby. Um, when I'm, when I'm off the river and I have a day off, I have a lot of buddies that, you know, say, Hey, jump in my boat or, you know, right. if you ever want to yeah. go for a day, let me know. And 
I just needed something to something to work on and and uh not that I'm don't need to work on fishing. I think you always need to work on that. But um golf is a fun distraction and I and I I'm not a very good golfer, but I I, I enjoy trying to get better and it's something I really enjoy. Well, golf, I mean, there's many facets to it. I, I always found, you know, it works on your patience and improves your vocabulary. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> Very true. <laughs> no, no golf's a, golf's a whole lot of fun. What did you shoot today? What did I shoot? I shot uh, eight over on the front and nine over on the back. So on a par yeah, you're an 89. Nothing wrong with that, man. That uh, that's good no, golf. I'm, I'm happy with that, and you know, you always you always want a few of those holes back that you could have scored on. But uh, yeah, I, I hooked up with an old college buddy of mine, and we were able to squeeze in 18 today, and it was it it's a lot of fun. Oh, that's cool, man. That that is cool. So, um, in in regards to people, let's say growing up in Oregon. Um, or, or they got kids and that sort of thing, and they want to get them exposed to fishing. How, you know, as as a new father or or mother, right? What what would you do to get kids more active in in the in in the in the sport of fishing? Well, I mean, I, a lot of people. If if you have the resources to hire a guide, um, and and you hire the the right guide and and I'm not saying there's there's the wrong guides out there, but the way I was raised and the way I've always um, looked at fishing is I didn't magically become an expert fisherman. Um, there were a lot of people that helped me along the way and a lot of people that still do help me. And my philosophy is if I can help somebody improve or enjoy their sport, um, I'm, I'm going to do everything that I can. So I'm really an open book If people want to come and there's other guides that, that are, they do the exact same thing that I do that are excellent at it is I try to, I try to give people what they want to take away from that day. And mm-hmm. You have to ask, you have to ask people, you know, what are you looking, to, what are you looking to, to accomplish? And if somebody comes to me and they, and I say, do you guys own a boat? Well, the, so you, you kind of see a, a hesitance. To, to for them to say yeah we, we you know we do own a boat and we're here right. to learn well then that's going to be a different type of day than it is for you know people say coming from out of state that want to experience um experience oregon experience the fisheries and and you know and hook up and and take some fish home right so if if i had you know young children and i wanted to get into fishing um there's a lot of really neat information on the ODFNW Oregon Department of Fish and Wildlife's website. So um, a lot of stocking schedules for trout um, are posted. Uh, things like that that can help you, you know, get started. But when and I get a lot of a lot of parents that say, "Hey, I've got some kids. I'd like to take fishing." Um, I I really enjoy doing that and. Mm-hmm. Uh, teaching them whatever I can um, and just in, in focus on the experience of the day. Right. I went on a, I went on a sturgeon guided trip with my dad way back 
way back when in Astoria. And I remember the guide brought a dozen donuts on the boat. Okay. I, wasn't, I, was, I wasn't real old, but we caught fish and we had fun. But I just, I just remember that kind of set the tone for a young angler, you know, to, it was just, it was just nice to, to have a, you know, to have a treat, something you're not used to having. Um, and so I remember that I take that away from that trip more so than the success that I had, for example. So if I can give people something to take away, you know, some joy, something they can remember that's what I try to do is, is um, just give them a really good quality experience. Mm-hmm. The fish in mean, the fish at this point at, at, at guides levels and the people that I fish around, um, if the fish are there and they want to bite, we're going to be able to get them to go. Um, right. We're pretty good at it, but sometimes it just doesn't happen. And so mm-hmm. if it doesn't happen, um, you still want them to take away something you want, you want to provide value uh, for their investment. And I, and right. I try to really work on that. And I cater that to, you know, to, to people of you know, all different ages. I mean, as some elder elderly gentleman that, that fish with me and I have one 94 year old and he brings his three young 83 year old friends with me and we may not meet. Yeah. We, they went with me uh, on the site saw this year and, there was five of them and they all had a, they, four of them landed a fish that they were able to take home. And the fifth, uh, youngster, um, he was 83 as well. He lost two and, uh, but they all got to take, they all got to take home. Um, they all split the salmon up evenly, but you know, for example, those trips, we, we may not meet at, you know, six o'clock in the morning. Mm-hmm. If, you know, they, they may say, Hey, Kurt, you know what? Well, so let's hook up at eight, eight o'clock or let's hook up at seven thirty. Right. And that's, that's perfect. Um, same with mm-hmm. youngsters too. You know, you got these kids, you don't want to, you don't want to, uh, you don't want to burn them out. Um, you don't want to get them up at two thirty in the morning. You don't want to fish them for, you know, 10 hours. And right. I, I had a guy, I had a guy this year that, he's a client of mine from Washington and he brought his wife down and this was their first steelhead trip. And we were having an epic day on the, on the sluts. And we went through this hole and I hooked up and a guide buddy above me hooked up and another buddy of mine hooked up and we landed that fish. And I think, I think we had three keepers in the boat and it was, it was 1230 in the afternoon, but we were releasing natives and it was just one of those days that everything was clicking and he uh-huh. said hey Kurt let's just wrap it let's wrap it up he said I think we were gonna, we're gonna go home we're gonna go back to our motel room in Newport we're gonna take a nap we're gonna go walk on the beach and then we're gonna go have some seafood mm-hmm. that's where you have to understand that he 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 kind of he know you know knew his wife kind of read the situation she right. was having, she was having a great time he was having an epic time and he he, it was fishing like he'd rarely seen, I'm sure. Mm-hmm. But he was he was wise enough to to say, hey, you know what? Let's it's we've had this experience. Let's continue this great trip. Um, and then she'll be 
really ready to come back and, and have the same experience uh, again right. next year. And so they booked another trip with me this year and I look forward to seeing them. Smart guy. Yeah. I mean, you know, it, it's amazing to, to me that there, there are so many, they're not so many, but there's, there's people out there that, you know, when they hire a guy, they expect to catch fish that day. And, you know, I guess there are some fisheries, you know, where maybe you can do that, but, but that doesn't necessarily uh, translate down to the type of fisheries that are in Oregon. You know, granted, if you're going to catch a fish that day, um, you know, having a guide in the boat, you know, increases that chance, you know, tremendously. But there are days where, you know, you're, you're the comedian and the actor, and you're, you're just trying to make this day go by as fun as possible. And that's if, right. Not, then they're not, you know, and uh, so you've got to be on your game, whether it's putting fish in the boat or telling fishing stories or joking around. Um, our friend Jim Martin is really good at that. You know, <laughs> he always keeps you laughing, you know. And, oh, yeah. He and I, go you know, he and I golf together and uh, he, he's a crack up. He is sure. really a crack up. But but, you know, that's what it takes to be a good guide is that, OK, well, the situation is. There's not many fish around, so uh, I am on stage. <laughs> yeah, definitely. I had, these, I had a mother-daughter um, two years ago on the McKenzie. And yeah. we were, it was a really good season, and we were we were having a lot, a lot of success. And I took some of their friends and had a cancellation. Cancellation. And I called their their friends and said, "Hey, we can't go. We want to send um, our our friends a mother-daughter combo with you." Mm -hmm. I said, well, fantastic. So we, we met and we were fishing and we fished for about an hour and the mom turned to me and she goes, um, Hey, Kurt, on average, how long does it take to normally get our first bite? And I said, Ooh. sometimes three days. Right. <laughs> she looked at, she looked at me and, and I <laughs> smiled and I said, I, I said, it's, it's, it's fishing. Um, and we ended up having a, a really good day, a, a, a very successful day. But sometimes mm -hmm. it takes a while to get them going. And yep. but it's very true that um, I tell people if you fish with me long enough, three things are going to happen. You're going to have the the best day you've ever had fishing in your life. Mm -hmm. You're going to mm -hmm. get you're going to get skunked, and you're going to experience everything in between. Right, and I have people, and I have people say, "Well, I haven't had the, that best day I've ever had yet with you." I said, "Well, mm -hmm. you haven't gone." Enough. Right, right, and, and if if you're only going, and I have, I've got clients that that book. I got one guy; he books a trip a week with me from uh, January first all the way through the middle of April. I see him. Wow, really? and he brings his, you know, brings his wife, brings his buddies. And I mean, he's experienced, he's experienced that whole gamut, mm -hmm. uh, that, you know, it's, it's, um, but it's, it's, it's really true that you, just, you have to put your time in and, and we were talking about 20 pound fish earlier. And I've had a couple of people on their first steelhead trips in their life land 20 pound steelhead. Right. And you, they just don't understand, you know, how rare that is. Um, but it's, but it's a fun way to get them hooked and, 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 and get them involved. But, mm -hmm. uh, yeah, it's, uh, you have to kind of take the, 
I, I've, I've ne- I never sell fish and I never have, and I never will. I sell yeah. the experience and the, the mm-hmm. chance. And what we do is, what we do as guides is we cut down the learning curve. Yep. When I, when I spend, I mean, back when I used to fish 35 days in a row before my wife said, we don't do that anymore. We take weekends off. Um, <laughs> uh you get somebody that's on the river for 35 days i can i can pretty much tell you on day 17 um you know what where we're gonna where we're gonna have our best chance at getting a bite um you know what what uh what tide exchange we're gonna we're gonna be in front of the most fish um where where the fish are stopping this year uh which change changes every Mm -hmm. year steelhead and salmon and um it's so we spend our first half of the day fishing very effectively where a Mm -hmm. lot of weekend warriors or recreational anglers spend their time trying to get into the groove trying to figure it out right and then their their final three or four hours in the day they may be effective Mm -hmm. And, and not to say i mean there's more excellent recreational anglers than there has ever been. And there are yeah. some really, really good guys out there. Mm-hmm. Um, but you know, it, it, uh, that's, that's what guiding does is, um, you know, just like an electrician. I mean, I can watch a YouTube video and try to wire a, you know, a, a chandelier in my house or what have you. But, um, I, I think that it's going to go, it's going to be, it's going to save me time and money in the long run to, to hire a professional. And we just, we just provide that service. And it's, it's a fun thing yep. to do. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. It, you gotta, so, yeah, you, it, it, being a guide, it's, um, it's, you have to read people mm-hmm. uh, really, really well. You have to identify one, what, what do they want to get out of the trip? You have to ask the right questions. You have to be a coach and a teacher. Right. Just because just because I can catch fish as an individual doesn't mean that I'm a good fishing guide. As a good fishing guide is a teacher and a coach, and 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 becomes really efficient at getting people up to speed, and yep. and doing and doing it in a way that are, that people enjoy that process. Right. Um, I'd never. You hear, you know, guides barking at people and talking down to people at times, um, and that that that's not why people pay me. Um, mm-hmm. People pay me to, to to have an enjoyable day, and uh, and and to be successful. And so I just I think one of the most important things I do is I have a plan in my boat. Um, I I take the time to explain to people, you know, what we're doing, why we're doing it when this happens, this is the process that we're going to go through. Um, mm-hmm. I'd rather have a plan and have that plan fail than not have a plan at all. That's and, true. And so I, we, we talk about in my, in my sled boat when we're fall fishing, um, you know, where people are going to stand to land the fish. Um, oh, uh-huh. you know, how they're, you know, how, how to, to fight that fish um, when they're running away from you, when they're coming at you when they go under the boat, um, not to walk backwards, uh, letting them know that there is going to be a net, you know, in front of them and, and things like that to try to, 
try to prepare them and have them picture what what's going to happen when we are mm-hmm. successful. Mm-hmm. And and that really um, and in why we do certain things. Why why are you going to stand here in this certain spot to fight the fish? Well, it allows me to be on my kicker motor to see to see everything that is happening in front of me, which allows me to turn the boat according to where the fish is running, et cetera. And so planning for success um, can, can only help. So I try to do that in every fishery that I'm, that, that, that I fish on. And it, it's been a good thing. Oh, absolutely. And, and like you were saying, you know, there are people that come on the boat and they're there to learn, right. How to be a, you know, better, uh, better fisherman or fisherwoman, right. And get some experience. And then there's others that are there to just enjoy the experience altogether. And if they let you know what they they're expecting out of the trip, then you can sort of prepare it that way. Can't you? Exactly. I'll give them, I'll, I'm going to try to give them exactly what they want. Yep. And, um, and, and if they own and, a boat, I'm going to try uh, to help them out as much as I can. And, um, if they want, if they don't own a boat and they, they never plan to, it's going to, you know, it's going to be a different experience. Yeah. Well, and you can figure it out. You know, it's the guy that brings the camera, you know, and the, the ones that are there for the experience are taking pictures of the waterfalls and the deer and, you know, the, the pretty scenery and that sort of thing. And the, the other ones, they have a camera too, but they're, they're always taking pictures of the rigging. You know? <laughs> you know? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, if they just asked me for um, a physical setup of the rigging, I'd give it to them. Right. Right. Exactly. But they're being sneaky, right? <laughs> they don't need to have a GPS in their pocket. They can, they can yeah. put it on the, they can put it in the tray and I actually can give them all my waypoints. It's not a problem. Right. <laughs> That's, funny. That's funny. Well, Hey, I got a question. Also, <laughs> What's that? Oh, I, I said there's also those groups that just want to come they want to come on the boat and they want to harvest fish and yeah, yeah. and and those are probably the the hardest for me um to, i mean you know granted we we've harvested a ton of fish and i've put a lot of fish in people's freezers mm-hmm. but it, there, there's a lot cheaper way to get high quality fish than to go fish with a fishing guide that's right. um i've got I have contacts with um, a fish buyer up out of Rufus, out of the Dalles, and mm-hmm. I've told people, I said, I said, I know where we can get our limit every day. Right. And they said, well, where? And I said, well, we can go to Costco. And I'll walk uh-huh. you right back to the, to the fish section, and we, you can buy which, whatever fish you want. Right. I said, if that's what you're looking for, this isn't, this isn't the most economical way to do that. Mm-hmm. Uh, and, and that, and I don't, and that you know that it's it's got to be enjoyable for me. Um, my day it's important for me to have have fun and and be relaxed and, and enjoy the day, but also be successful. And but if we're not, uh, it's not it, it's some it's something I'm going to beat myself up about because I, I know right. I've done everything I possibly can uh, to you know to put them on fish. So that's mm-hmm. the hardest I think the the hardest group of guys are the guys that are like, we really need fish in our freezer. Well, you don't need fish in your freezer. You already have fish in your freezer because you have plenty of money. Right. Cause you're right, hiring exactly. me. Yeah, so, exactly. You know, that's, I don't know. That's, it's, 
it's the guys that um, just really appreciate, you know, the day and the 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 company and 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 you know the beauty of the river that that I I really enjoy spending spending time with. Absolutely. So here's a question for you that uh, we uh, we typically ask everyone: If you woke up tomorrow morning and you had this vision in your dream, and it was just lifelike as all get out, man, and and something or someone came to you and said, Kurt, when you wake up in the morning, this will be your last fishing trip. Where would you go? What would you fish for? And who would you fish with? I would, I'd, I'd fish on the sluts. I'd fish uh-huh. uh, for winter. I'd fish for winter steelhead, and um, I'd take my dad. Cool. Sounds like your dad's been a real influence in your life. That's pretty neat, man. Yeah, no, he's he, he has been for sure, and um, it's, it's my turn to take him. He took me a lot, and uh, I've, I've been enjoying um, sharing my my journey with him. Absolutely. Absolutely. Well, cool. Well, Kurt, forgive us. We, uh, we've, uh, um, uh, uh, we've taken up a lot of your time uh, this evening and I really appreciate that. How do people get a hold of you if they want to book a trip this year? Sure. Um, I have, I have a website. Um, and that website is Curry, C U R R E Y guideservice.com uh-huh. and you can you can always call me or text me um on my cell phone that that phone number is 541-914-3899 perfect perfect well kurt i, I just want to pre- uh, say again i appreciate the the uh, opportunity to talk with you and to call you a friend man it uh, we've we've known each other for a few years now and I'm um, looking forward to uh, fishing with you in the, in the coming year a little bit and uh, uh, just sharing some stories and that sort of thing. Um, but uh, I just you know, hope and pray that your family and yourself stay well in the next coming months and we get all through this and uh, we're going to get back to a normal. Yep, I'm looking forward to that too. I'm looking forward to having you be my neighbor just down the road and uh, hooking up and getting you on some fish that'll be fun i'll be that guy with a camera that comes by late at night when you're washing out the boat and i'll be taking the pictures of what you got your rods you know rigged with for the next day (laughs) save your trip i'll send you the pictures (laughs) sounds good hey kurt you take care man and uh we'll see you soon all right ted thank you okay thanks